Well, every year when we come to Advent, I'm reminded of just how much I need the season of Advent. Uh, this focused time where we are asked to slow down, to think about um, waiting for the coming of Christ, for him to come close to us. I need it because it seems like this time of year, every year gets busier and busier. I guess I forget the lessons and then I plan the calendar and it just gets ahead of us. And so we need this time to focus us and to ask us to slow down. And in case you come this morning and you're already stressed out or you're worn down getting ready for Christmas and just this time of the year with all the shopping and cleaning and the welcoming of guests and the decorations, um, there's one company uh, who is trying to help out. Tesco is a British supermarket company and they actually posted an ad for a new job, a Christmas light untangler. <laughs> Sounds great, right? The company's website offered the following description for the 36-hour-a-week job. You imagine doing that for 36 hours a week? It says, this new position will offer you the chance to show that every little bit helps by running the unique in-store service with a friendly, flexible approach and making a genuine difference to the little things that matter to our customers this Christmas. The first duty includes manning and managing the Christmas lights untangling stand. Beyond that basic duty, Tesco says candidates should be able to untangle 10 feet of Christmas lights in less than three minutes, as well as check for bulbs or signs of breakage where they need to be fixed. The ideal candidate, they say, would also be passionate about Christmas. As Tesco says, when it comes to Christmas busyness and stress, every little bit helps. Maybe you've reached that stress point already maybe you're looking for any little bit that will help kind of slow things down or help calm you down but I want to remind us all that we already have everything that we need to calm us down everything that we need to bring us peace we have Advent this very countercultural approach to this time of year where we quiet ourselves, where we wait for God to come close to us, where we focus on what it means for Christ to come to us and come to the world. And so on this third Sunday of Advent, we're considering the theme of peace. And peace is one of those words, I'm afraid, that we use so often and in so many different ways that we've actually perhaps lost its meaning, where it comes from, how it comes to us, what it's all about. And so hopefully today, the scriptures will remind us of a few important things about peace. And this is on your outline, but the first is just this simple reminder that I hope all of us truly believe that we are meant to enjoy the peace of God. That is absolutely actually true. That God wants us to live with peace to enjoy his peace. And unfortunately, I think maybe perhaps to all of the difficulties of our lives or maybe just being worn down, many of us have become cynical. Maybe we wonder, does God actually want me to have any peace? Are you sure that that's what he wants? And the answer is clear, I hope that we'll see from God's word that yes, it is what God wants for you and for me. But the problem is this, that sin and brokenness 
rob our enjoyment of God's peace. Our very human hearts have this problem that where we so often find ourselves kind of seeking peace and satisfaction from all these other places that are not God and they actually lead us further away from God. And so in turn, we're robbed from enjoying the peace of God that he offers to us. And this is not a new thing. If you read through the Bible or you read through history or maybe just take a look into our own lives, we know that this is kind of the fundamental human problem with our hearts. Proverbs 14 says it very, uh, in a clever way. Proverbs 14.30 says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. We're on search for peace, but sin and brokenness that comes from our sin robs us from enjoying peace, and if we're not careful, the lack of peace in our lives, the lack of God's peace in our lives can actually lead us to rot, right? Can actually lead us further from God where our whole lives, even our bodies, are affected. And so what does God do about this? What is the hope that Advent brings to us who are on the search for peace? And there's something that we need to remember. It's something that we think about this time of year. Peace is God's promise to us because he has given us himself. One of the passages that we read this time of year is that prophecy from the Old Testament book of Isaiah in chapter 9 where it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so we can be confident that we can have God's peace because God has given us himself. The prince of peace has come to us. And so today as we think about peace, I want us to see three things about what the coming of Christ into the world brings us uh, when we think about peace. Three specific things. And the first is that the coming of Christ brings us peace with God. In the book of Colossians, the apostle Paul speaking about Jesus Christ, writes these words in verse 19. He says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Paul is saying that all of God was in Jesus. His fullness dwelled in Jesus. The second person of the Trinity, God the Son, came to us as a human being in Jesus of Nazareth. And Paul tells us why he came right there, to reconcile all things so that we would have peace with God through his blood shed on the cross. And this goes back to what we said just a minute ago about our very human hearts, right? Our sinful and broken hearts that lead us away from God. And because God is a holy God, a just God, something has to be done about it. It cannot continue to go on. That sin cannot go unpunished. And the bad news of the gospel is that that sin that leads us away from God actually makes us enemies of God. 
Our sin leads us to rot or to destruction of some kind. But Advent and Christmas also tell us the good news of the gospel. That God came to us in Jesus with all of the fullness of God in him to reconcile and bring us peace with God. Paul also writes in Romans 5, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is born and then he lives this life that is perfect in every way where he shows us how we were meant to live with God in God's peace. And by doing that perfectly, he becomes the perfect sacrifice for our sin that's led us away from God. And he allows himself to go to the cross and be punished in our place to take away our sins so that we can be at peace with God. And Here's the key. This is what it means. So now, when God looks at you and me, he no longer sees our sin and our brokenness. He sees Jesus. He sees Jesus' finished work on the cross instead. And though it's Advent and Christmas time and we think about the birth of Jesus, it's the resurrection of Jesus, that he rose again on that third day that promises us that he is alive and that he has sent us his spirit into our hearts so that we can experience and know and feel the peace of God. Tim Keller, great writer, wrote a book recently called Hidden Christmas. And in it, he speaks about what it means to come to believe that we have peace with God. He says this, if Jesus didn't come, then the story of Christmas is one more moral paradigm to crush you. If Jesus didn't come, I wouldn't want to be anywhere around these Christmas stories that say we need to be sacrificing, we need to be humble, we need to be loving. All that will do is crush you into the ground. But if Jesus Christ is actually God come in the flesh, then you are going to know more about God. If the Son would come all this way to become a real person to you, don't you think the Holy Spirit will do anything in his power to make Jesus a real person in your heart? Christmas is an invitation by God. Look what I've done to come near to you. Now you draw near to me. I don't want to be a concept. I want to be a friend. You see, the coming of Christ brings us peace with God. And without peace with God, we have no hope to have peace with others or peace within ourselves. And so this must come first. And Advent and Christmas is actually an invitation to believe. Jesus' birth is a call to believe, to make peace with God if you have not done so yet. And so first, the coming of Christ brings us peace with God. But secondly, the coming of Christ brings us peace with others. Michael Ramsden is a Christian apologist. He's often uh, doing the work of an evangelist, sharing the gospel around the world. And I once heard him speak of a colleague who was uh, at a conference in Asia. And he was doing a kind of an exercise with them, asking them to envision peace, to kind of do this mental exercise, to close their eyes and think peaceful thoughts and then they described what they were thinking about one person described a field with flowers and beautiful trees 
Another person spoke of snow-capped mountains in this alpine landscape. Someone else talked about a beautiful, serene lake. After everyone described their mental picture of peace, there was one thing in common in them all. Anybody know what it is? There was no people in them. Ramsden said, isn't it interesting that when asked to imagine peace, the first thing we do is eliminate everyone else? In other words, our visions of peace don't typically include others. Why? Because having peace with others is hard. It's difficult. And I think much of the emotional pain that many people feel during this time of the year is due to some kind of a lack of peace in our relationships. This is the time of the year when we have to figure out who's coming to the house on Christmas Day and who's not coming and why are they not coming and maybe it's for some past issue or something going on where there hasn't been resolution or peace and we're confronted with that and it's hard. It's hard to imagine that God can actually bring peace with others, peace in some of these difficult circumstances of our lives but it is exactly what Christ has come to do. Luke chapter two gives us the wonderful account of the birth of Jesus of course And it comes to the climax in verse 14 when the angels are singing and we heard it read earlier this morning, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And the famous translation of course is peace on earth, goodwill to men. The coming of Christ brings peace to the world. Peace between us and God but this hope of peace with others, of peace for the world. And I think this is what everyone seems to want, right? Even if you're here and maybe you're not a Christian or that you're interacting with uh, people in your life who don't believe or who are not Christians, I think if you ask them this time of year, what do they want? Everyone would say some notion of peace, right? But what the angels say here is that peace comes to those on whom his favor rests, meaning those of you who have found peace with God. And for those who have found peace with God, God's children, we are then called to extend that peace throughout the world to others and to all of our relationships. In his famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. And you see, I think many of us have unfortunately reached the place where we begin to wonder if this is possible. Maybe you look at some of your relationships and you just think, there's no way. The ship has sailed. There can't be peace there. I cannot be a peacemaker in that relationship. Maybe some of us look at the issues of our world and we don't know where to start and we're so worn down by war and fighting and strife, we just throw our hands up and say, I forget it. Peace is too hard. It's not going to happen. But here's what I want to encourage us with. If you find yourself drifting into that place today, to not let the cynicism win. To not let the bitterness win. Think about this. We are meant to enjoy the peace of God. We are meant to live with peace in our relationships. And so we should be praying and hoping and calling and crying out for that to be real, not just with us, but throughout 
the world. And so I want to encourage you to not give up on that prayer where all hope for peace seems lost. And so the coming of Christ brings us peace with God. It calls us to be at peace with others. But finally this morning, the coming of Christ brings us to see that we need peace with ourselves. And I think today in our day and age, this is a tricky spot for us to try and figure out what does it mean to be at peace with ourselves. Some of you may think, well gosh, it seems really hard to be at peace with God. Others may think, I I can't even imagine what it would look like to be at peace with others. But some of us still may wonder, no, the hardest thing for me to think about is being at peace with myself. But Jesus' coming into the world means that we have a way now to be at peace with ourselves, more than we could ever imagine. In Philippians 4, the Apostle Paul gives us kind of the way that we're to be at peace with ourselves, how we come to God. He says this in Philippians 4, verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What does that verse tell us is the enemy of personal peace? It's anxiety, fear, debilitating worry, something that takes our focus off of God, some fear or insecurity that we have, and I know all of us deal with this. In some way, all of us have an area of our life where fear and insecurity are too strong for us. I'm sure most of you have at some point seen the Charlie Brown Christmas special, uh, one of the great pieces of television ever. Um, We watched it again yesterday because I was putting up our second Christmas tree of the season after our first one died already. So as we put up the second, we put on Charlie Brown, it's a tradition. But if you remember the premise, Charlie Brown is frustrated by the over-commercialization of Christmas. He's, no, nobody is sympathizing with him until his best buddy Linus um, comes forward as they're in the middle of putting on the, the community Christmas pageant and says, Charlie Brown, I know what Christmas is all about. And he moves to the center stage and he begins to recite Luke 2, and what's, if you know anything about the, the history of this or history of television, this is one of those events, 1965, the television producers thought this was a terrible idea. No one can read from the Bible on network TV, right? This is slow and it's boring. No one's going to want to watch this. And 53 years later, it's still on every year, tried and true. And I came across this really wonderful article this week where the writer was reflecting on the the depth and the beauty of the Charlie Brown Christmas special, and the author writes this. It was in the first grade in our class performed a version of the Charlie Brown Christmas. Since I was kind of a bookworm and already had a blue blanket, I was chosen to play the part of Linus. As Linus, I memorized Luke 2, 8 through 14, and that scripture has been hidden in my heart ever since. But while working so diligently to learn those lines, there is one important thing that I didn't notice and didn't notice until now. Right in the middle of speaking, Linus drops the blanket. Charlie Brown is best known for his uniquely striped shirt and Linus is most associated with his ever-present security blanket. 
Throughout the story of Peanuts, Lucy, Snoopy, and Sally, all the others work to no avail to separate Linus from his blanket. And even though his security blanket remains a major source of ridicule for the otherwise mature and thoughtful Linus, he simply refuses to give it up until this moment when he simply drops it. In that climactic scene when Linus shares what Christmas is all about, he drops his security blanket. And I'm now convinced, the writer says, that this is intentional. Most telling is the specific moment he drops it when he utters the words, fear not. Looking at it now, it's pretty clear what Charles Schultz was saying through this, and it's so simple, it's brilliant. The birth of Jesus separates us from our fears. The birth of Jesus frees us from the habits that we are unable to break ourselves. The birth of Jesus allows us to simply drop the false security that we have been grasping so tightly and to learn to trust and cling to Jesus. And here's what I would add for us this morning. The birth of Jesus allows us to have peace within ourselves, even in the face of our difficulties, our anxieties, our greatest fears. Paul gives us a way of releasing that. Bring it all to God, he says, without anxiety. Present your request to God, and here's what happens, something remarkable. The peace of Christ, which you cannot understand, will comfort you, will come to you, will fill you up. See, the kind of peace that Paul is talking about and we've been trying to explore this morning is different than the kind of peace that the world often offers, just those pictures of serene lakes and alpine landscapes, right? Some of you um, know this because you've been facing those unique challenges this year. Some of you have um, fought health challenges. Some of you have thought about um, how this year has been so different than other years. You came into this year thinking one thing and we come to the end of it and it has brought you something entirely different. And health is one of those areas where we seem to not have a a good deal of peace when we're struggling with something. Uh, In the Bible, actually, if you look throughout the Old and the New Testaments, what you'll struggle to find is a word for health for physical health in the way that we think about it, biologically or medically. But the closest word that we have to health in the Bible is actually the Hebrew word for shalom. And what shalom means is justice and righteousness, to have a just and right relationship with God. And where there is shalom, there is peace where there is shalom all of the broken and tattered pieces of our world and of our lives are put back together again and there is peace one of my mentors talks about it this way he says to be healthy then is to be in right relationship with God to be at peace is to be in right relationship with God meaning you can be very unhealthy and actually be very healthy with God Or the opposite is true. You can be the world's greatest athlete, the epitome of physical health, and be very, very unhealthy. And so no matter what you may be going through today, whatever experience you're facing, whatever health challenge you have in front of you, we can have 
the peace of God within ourselves, even in difficult times, even when we are not healthy, which means something very important, I think, that when we're in those times, when we're in the midst of that difficulty, when we're struggling to find peace, we can actually shift our focus away from all the symptoms and towards our healthy relationship with God. That's how we experience peace. Not on the symptoms of our circumstances, but on the healthy relationship that we have with God. And there's no greater picture of health than what we read earlier in Romans 5. That since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. To close this morning, one of the greatest examples that I've heard of holding on to the peace of God no matter what we're facing is actually this famous Christmas poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. I want to read something to you. In March of 1863, Longfellow's son, Charles, walked out of his family house in Massachusetts, unbeknownst to his family, got on a train and rode 400 miles south to D.C. to join President Lincoln's Union Army to fight in the Civil War. Charles was the oldest of six children born to Henry Longfellow, who was the celebrated poet of America in that day. And less than two years earlier, Charles' mother, Henry's wife, Fanny, had tragically died after her dress caught fire. And he ran, awakened from a nap, to try to put the fire out, but her burns were too severe, and he himself sustained burns on his face, and she died the next morning. And so as Charlie goes into the army, he participates in a number of battles. He comes down with typhoid fever, just barely missing the Battle of Gettysburg. But while dining at home on December 1st in 1863, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow received a telegram that his son Charles had been shot. And he was alarmed when he was informed that it was very serious, that he may have sustained some significant paralysis in his body. And in light of all that, on Christmas Day, 1863, Longfellow, a 57-year-old widowed father of six children, the oldest of which had just become paralyzed as his country fought a war against itself. He wrote this poem that encapsulates the hope of Christmas and the dissonance when we look out into the world and we don't seem to see the peace that Christmas promises us. And so he wrote this poem, and I want to read it to you. He writes, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And hear the bad news. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But then he talks about the good news. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. God is not asleep this Christmas. He never has been. He sent his son to reconcile us, to give us peace with God so that we could also have peace with others 
and have peace within ourselves. God is not asleep in my life. He's not asleep in your life or anywhere in this world where it seems like peace has no chance. If we would receive him this Advent, this Christmas, if we would draw near to him, he promises to draw ever near to us. That is the promise that the Prince of Peace has come into the world. And so let's look for it this Christmas, okay? Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks that you have given us a vision to not be so satisfied with the temporal things that may give us peace in any given moment. Lord, would you challenge even our mental pictures of what a peaceful life looks like, that we wouldn't be satisfied with those serene pictures or just being quiet or nobody else around. God, would you draw us close in such a way that reminds us that you desire for us to know your peace and to have peace in our relationships, even the ones that seem so far off, so difficult. And God, I pray that you would make us as your people, hopeful people for the world, that we would look out into the world and the places where there is no peace and pray and hope that peace would come. God, may we, would you start in us, in our hearts in these days ahead? And would you help us extend that peace to others and to our world. We pray these things in the name of Jesus this morning. Amen.